I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with a conversation about diversity in the design industry. In June of 2020, I published a conversation originally produced in October 2019 live at the West Edge Design Fair. The concept was fairly straightforward a panel featuring designers of color talking about their experiences in the industry. The purpose was straightforward as well, to provide a forum for the conversation to take place, to shed light on untold experience and extend the mic to those traditionally underserved. Originally, the term of color made me uncomfortable. It felt like attaching a label, and I wondered if that was exactly what I was trying to avoid. I I think the term people of color has been debated so much over the past year, and and it is more about nuance. And in this situation, it isn't a label, but a descriptor. The quote-unquote designers of color descriptor is intentional here. And and that's that's not to say that in some time might no longer be appropriate, but for now it is. This is also not being used to compare, contrast, or value any particular color or historical experience. I'm going to leave the, leave this here, but know this. I too continue to learn more about this subject. It's not one I am at all comfortable with, but to avoid it would be a disservice to the journey and the learning process. The response to that first episode in, in June of 2020 was incredible. It was good, bad, and surprising. If some people are uncomfortable by conversations like these, good. We should have them more often, if for no other reason than to normalize different voices, experiences, and perspectives. With that, I give you the second installment of the Diversity in Design series featuring designers Gail Davis, Sharon Lee, Katie Reed, and Adel Legaspi. Adel will be moderating this conversation, for which I am extremely grateful. This is Diversity in Design, a conversation about design, the design industry, and opportunity for all those who seek it. Are you subscribing to the podcast? If not, please do, so you get every episode automatically when they're published. You can find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And now you can find us on designnetwork.org, a destination dedicated to podcasts, all things design and architecture. So check it out. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger, a fantastic company and an equally fantastic design partner. While the Walker Zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work, there's far more to it than that. Yes, that promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart is a family-owned and operated business that provides stunning surfaces for a well-designed home and does it to make designers and architects do their best work for their clients. Walker Zanger started in 1952, and they are absolutely one of the best trade partners a designer can have. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. And they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. I have been thinking 
about this conversation for a very long time. The, the first time I had, I produced a conversation about diversity and design. It was two and a half years ago at the West Edge Design Fair in Santa Monica in 2019 in October. And we, we had this conversation. Um, it was an excellent panel. And I didn't air it until June, 2020, just because um, there was, I don't know, some things going on last year. You may have heard about it. I don't know. Um, so it, it basically changed the way we were all living. And I didn't, I didn't produce, I didn't publish that conversation. When I did, um, after months of editing it, I, I realized that, that that really wasn't designed to be a one-off conversation because you don't fix social problems by talking about things once. You, you have to keep talking about them. You have to change the dynamics. You have to change the sizes, shapes, colors, and voices to get a, a full perspective, a full tableau of, of what, what the issues really are. So this is the second produced conversation uh, revolving around diversity and design. It's an important issue. It's about social injustice. It's about employment injustice. It's about creative injustice. It's about also, you know, the injustices, the list of injustices can, can go on and on, right? But it's also about not just the bad side of things, but also how do you craft the world that you want that you want, right? That you want it to be. Does anyone really want to live in a world where there's just one color, one flavor, one sound, one texture? I mean, is that is that really what anybody really wants? Per perhaps some, but I think the answer is no for most. And the best way for us to understand each other is for us to talk to each other and for us to listen. With that, uh, we have a remarkable panel and a conversation for your consideration. And um, moderating this conversation today is a, an incredibly talented designer and a longtime friend, Ada Legaspi. And I am so excited to, to see what you do with this because there really are no rules and it can go in any direction that you want. So with that, I am going to excuse myself and um, Adel, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you, Josh. Well, first I want to start off by thanking all three of you for joining me and Josh on this conversation. Um, you know, just looking back at last year, Josh and I talked about this really briefly and due to, you know, what was happening in the world. And it's really, I think, interesting for, um, for me to, um, be part of this because, you know, we're all having all these feelings, right, of what's going on in, in the world. And what I'm really excited about to talk to with you guys is to really engage with you because you're my community and also get your insight on why you think this is an important topic that our industry should be uh, having. So, you know, I don't really have any questions per se specifically, but I think it's, you know, really just like when you saw this topic that um, Josh put out there, what was your inclination? Like what was your initial response? And I would love to 
get your insight on, on how you see this topic. So um, it, I guess if, it, if whoever wants to join or start the conversation can go ahead and, and do so. Did anyone want to go first? You can. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Katie. Oh, I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like you should be going first, so go ahead. So, uh, first, let me start off by introducing myself. Yeah, uh, thank my you. Name is, uh, Katie Reed, uh, born and raised uh, in Newark, New Jersey. That's why I currently reside and my office is held. Uh, so uh, I thought this conversation was pretty uh, important. It was a lot of key things that kind of sort of popped into my head. Uh, as this conversation came up, came up. So the first thing is uh, me, I, I'm a fairly new designer in the field. Uh, and I just started my company a year ago. So during this, the, so I've been in the industry working under some of the designers for about like four or five years. And I decided to venture off and start my own brand. Uh, during the wake of the whole Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, is where I kind of sort of gained inspiration and insight, my creativity. It just gave me a lot of empowerment to start my own firm. Um, I started seeing, I, I mean, I knew that there was like people of color as designers out there, but I wasn't really seeing people that was really dominating the design scene, having a full face presence. And prior to the whole Black Lives Matter movement, you know, I, I didn't really have a connection with anyone. When that emergence came, you know, thank gosh for technology and things like Instagram, that became like a real catalyst for me um, to kind of sort of connect with these designers, connect with people who look like me, who I can actually uh, ask questions to, you know, not be afraid to approach them like, yo, how how did you reach this level of success? How are you doing this well? You know, and I think that that was kind of sort of pivotal for me to kind of sort of connect with people like-minded that look like me, that can kind of give me uh, resources, inspiration, just guidance, so just simply just having a conversation and yeah. just building a network and community, uh, which I've been seeing been have been established over this past year. And I feel like, you know, us as people of color, we call it, I've seen us over this past year kind of sort of create and build our own design community. Mm -hmm. okay. Thanks for sharing that, Katie. What about you, Gail? What's your thoughts on uh, the diversity or lack thereof in our design industry? And I guess specifically to this topic, right? Because we're kind of diving into a specific area, which is um, seeing, you know, how culture and diversity is being acknowledged in the products and patterns and artwork and anything that we as designers are specifying. Um, do you see that? Do you see that this is uh, an issue, or do you think um, we're just talking about it now because of what's happening? Um, would love your insight on on this. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a, it's a long one. <laughs> it is. So today, I, and I will admit, it's been um, the past couple of days, but has been has been weepy a, a weepy moment for me again. Um, only because I'm just confused and disappointed with the rise or. And, and hate crimes, and it's not even the rise in hate crimes. I think it's just always been there, 
mm-hmm. as far as for, you know, my Asian brethren, but now because they're not like black people who are very vocal about it, that they're now talking about it. And for me, disturbing, I saw something today where an elderly woman was being attacked and like people stood by, you know, they stood there and just watched. And I am just like, what are you doing? Um, and especially men, no less, you know, I think women would run up and we would protect each other because that's who we are. That's one aspect of it. But for me, the design community, I've been in this game since I'll say 2006, uh, because I started my firm as I was in school for this. And I quickly realized that being a designer, a black designer, um, interning for major firms where people of color were, you know, either answering the phone or they were the housekeeper in these said major firms. And I realized quickly that, you know, we people of color don't move up. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, oh, I would just have to have my own firm. Um, In the last year I watched where it just became super uncomfortable. You know, it was great that the light was shown on black designers, but it was also uncomfortable because then it became, well, you're a black designer. How do you do black design? And I was like, well, how about I'm just, I just happen to be a black designer, but I do interior design. So I don't think like, you know, you would, I think like if you're a great designer, you're a good designer, that's what should be focused on and not your color. So that is like off-putting, if that makes sense to anyone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, because it just makes me crazy. Recently, I had someone earlier this year, and I'm all turned around with what day it is. I had an Instagram follower reach out to me and she's like, oh, I'm a pseudo PR person. And this would be great if um, I just wanna pass this along to you. And the question was, as a black designer, how do you pay respect to your ancestors and your design and in your home, uh, You know, pr- preferably in your home? And I'm like, well, would you go to an Irish person and ask them that or an Italian person? It's like, it's your, it's your home. I don't sit here and think well, I'm black and how can I, how can I design my house like a black person? You know, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. How do I design so I can enjoy my space? Right. How do I design so I can love where I live? Do I have pieces that are possibly Afrocentric? Sure, but I buy them for their beauty, not because they're, oh my God, they're from Africa, <laughs> you know? So I just, it was, I had to explain to that woman, I was like, it's an, an, an insensitive question because would you ask that to my white counterpart? Design is design. It is amazing. It is form. It is function. It is making someone feel safe. It is creating a space that people never want to leave. It's, it's so much more than, Oh, the black designer. Oh, the Asian designer. Oh, you know, so I hope that answers the question, but that's where I am. Okay. Feel good to reel me in. Always. Yeah. No. No worries. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) So Sharon, um, you know, really quickly. So I, you know, invited Sharon to join our group because you know she does make beautiful textiles and artwork and fabric, and I really wanted her to kind of give her take on this topic um, in terms of the diversity and being acknowledging, acknowledging cultures, and if that applies to her. 
Absolutely. So I'm Sharon Lee and I uh, founded Crane Home about, I think it's been about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went to school, I went to art school because my mother and grandfather are Korean artists. And so I was kind of um, groomed to become an artist, which is kind of um, rare, I think. But um, yeah, so there, you know, from there I went and actually went into design school for my master's. And then I ended up um, working at uh, actually Michael Smith. And while I was there, it's when I decided I wanted to launch my own company because I was seeing, um, you know, um, Asian inspired and uh, design textiles, fabrics, um, but I sort of didn't see that A, they were ever really like owned by, you know, the people who, (laughs) that the um, inspiration was taken from. And nobody was really telling the story or the meaning behind these the imagery. And I really wanted to set out to do that because my art's actually always been um, an investigation of my Korean American heritage. Um, And so I just thought it was a really good um, platform for me because, you know, I'm a fine artist. I'm also an interior designer and um, it just made sense. So I struck out on my own. And ever since I've been creating, um, you know, wallpaper, fabric, home decor inspired by uh, ancient Korean art, but also with my own modern uh, twist on it. So um, yeah, I mean, this, this uh, discussion really obviously piqued my interest. And I was so um, happy that um, Adel, that you came to me for this, because I'm super passionate about it. Um, And yes, there has been um, this, I think, kind of awakening in our design community in the past year. Um, And Uh, Yeah, I think people are starting to notice and wonder about things um, as far as, you know, the origin, authenticity, the story, the meaning behind um, these prints and patterns and, you know, furniture pieces, everything that we use in our projects. Um, And I personally love to talk about that. But it's interesting, um, Gail, what you said, because um, I actually started off just making um, work that I thought was um, beautiful for the sake of being beautiful. When you look at my textiles, it's not like it's obvious, oh, this is, um, this is Asian or this is Korean, you know. Um, many of my textiles um, are just beautiful and you wouldn't, you wouldn't really necessarily be able to pinpoint the inspiration unless you talked to me about it and you were interested in it. Um, and I actually like that. Because if it were so obviously so, um, I think it would kind of pigeonhole me. And mm-hmm. this has kind of allowed me to, um, to have a broader scope, um, a broader connection with my design peers, um, ability to, you know, be included in um, like more projects and more design schemes. And, okay. you know, I've, also, I've kind of always been a people pleaser. So it's hard for me um, to speak up and um, about these issues of diversity, you know, equity, inclusion, um, especially in the design world, because I feel like the design world doesn't really talk about this openly. Um, Well, nowadays, I feel like we are, but before, definitely not. Um, And I definitely have a lot of um, opinions. It's just, I hadn't ever spoken out about it. So um, it's, you know, there's some fear that I have. So it's like, Um, yeah, there, there definitely is Gail, like you were saying, some awkwardness sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
you know, I think we just need to push through all that and just know that, you know, people are interested in having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's have it, you know? No, absolutely. I I, uh, totally agree with it. I think that it's important to share your voice. I think it's important to speak up. And I think it's super important to tell your story and tell what inspires you and why your work is, you know, inspired by, Mm -hmm. because it's true that they should look at it and be like, oh, it's beautiful art. But if there's a story behind it, I'm always like, oh, tell me a story because I want to know because it's a connection. And now when I'm putting it into my work, it just intertwines itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're, those are all parts of the things that we should be talking about because, you know, Sharon and I have had conversations about this uh, a sidebar on, you know, um, understanding culture or any kind of influence in one's, one person's design work, right? Like, I think you're right, Sharon, that, you know, you don't want to be identified as like, oh, that Korean artist, that's her product and stuff like that. But I think, it's great if we can have these conversations of questions, right? And educational and awareness questions of um, just asking like, oh, that beautiful pattern that you made, how did you come up with that, right? And then you're gonna offer me the, the answer and it could be something super uh, like refreshing and new that you know I think is important to picking out things for your clients, right? Because I think that's what makes all our work different if we understand the context of what we're we're picking. Um, And so, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, protected work or any cultural appropriation in the context that, you know, that eliminates the authentic, right? Like, do you think, you know, products are getting, you know, either generalized or whitewashed or however you want to call it. And do you think it's good for us to get to the root of like, you know, how do we appropriate, you know, culture in, in, in work or in textiles or product that's going out there? I think it's such a fine line uh, because, you know, there is a celebration, right? Yeah. Your culture. If, you know, people are putting Asian inspired um, work in their homes, there's, there is a celebration and appreciation for the culture. But on the flip side, I feel like um, we, we also should be having the conversation of, yes, honoring the origins Mm -hmm. of that work, whatever it may be. um, And wondering, okay. And also questioning, is this, is this appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is this still appropriate? Because throughout history and design, I think things, you know, come and go. And, you know, obviously there's trends nowadays. And I think the same thing is happening in fashion where yeah. you have something that's trending and then it kind of trickles down and trickles down um, to then the big box store you know, home decor section. So um, I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I think things are changing where people are craving um, authenticity and design again. Um, and they want to be sure that wherever they're sourcing from, right? Yeah. Especially even um, 
from like, you know, an eco-friendly standpoint, you know, environment, is this product environmentally sound, right? Mm -hmm. um, which actually, that question I was taught actually does affect um, different um, communities of color, um, is, you know, um, how, you know, eco-conscious are we being, right? Um, and, you know, the damage to our planet is not um, evenly spread. So it's like, you know, we have to consider, right, everything. And I think in the same sense that we kind of had our green awakening in design, mm -hmm. um, I think we're almost having this um, also cultural um, awakening. And I think that is so beautiful um, because the clients do want to hear the story now. They are, you know, as a designer, right? If you go to them and show them a fabric and then you tell them the story behind why this fabric is so special or why you thought it you know, was so special or perfect for the room, um, I think that adds another layer um, for them to further appreciate their home. So yeah, I mean, I think this is a really uh, long conversation and I'm happy to like start that you know, here today. Yeah. So um, yeah, if anyone else has something to add, I totally agree with you as far as uh, bringing the authenticity back into design. You know, me personally, when I first started seeing like the the whole African, uh, for example, like statues and juju feather hats, I know that was a very, very, very big trend in design mm -hmm. where it was kind of sort of in everyone's household. And at first I was kind of like, uh, uh, I was kind of excited to kind of sort of see that, you know, in being in abundance, you know, being used a lot, but, you know, I kind of I felt this I was disappointed when it fell as a trend I feel like people not I feel like it's a designer's responsibility if they're going to include those cultural pieces in someone's house then to at least educate the homeowner mm. and you know and even as a homeowner I, I'm not going to just bring something in my household especially of cultural importance into my space because I'm not sure what type of uh energy and our cultures, you know, we know that certain deities or certain things stand for yeah. certain, you know, bringing in certain symbolisms right. and you know, bringing in those type of energies into your house, you know, it may not be the best thing or you may not right. know what cultural piece that you're necessarily bringing in. And it, and it, and it goes to a funny story uh, personally, because a friend of mine's right, they, they was love collecting all these uh, African sculptures and and one in particular, it was uh, I always forget the name of it, but it was uh, the it was an African sculpture representing uh, uh, fertility, um, and she basically was wondering why she had five children. <laughs> 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 people see things and they're like this is pretty this is yeah. cute. they bring it in and I'm like do you know what you're bringing in right. like I just it's so insane that we understand energy right, right. because the way we were raised and just I, I can tell from all about parents the way we were raised about this is how you do things and this is why you don't do it because there's there's um an awareness of what it all means and a respect more importantly, a respect for what things mean. But I just love, like when you said juju hats, I almost like just came out of my skin because I I wish I would never see another one. And I know I'm probably gonna get a lot of back, you know, uh, 
black for that. But people just do it because they're like, oh, well, it's the, it's the thing to do. And I was like, yeah, but where does it come from? And who, where are you taking it from? And how much did it cost? And how much were those people paid? And how much are you charging? Um, real story, the other night, uh, my girlfriend who's Mexican, went off on this woman who was selling, she kept calling them caftans. And if you know where they're derived from, caftans don't come from Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can't remember the name of the dress and I always say it wrong. Um, but she was like, this is from my region. This is from my village. In fact, my village in the village next to me. And these women were only paid, you know, $60. Meantime, the woman bought it back to Australia and she's selling these dresses for over $1,500. So then you're like, well, what is she paying the people? And yes, it needs to be a fair wage to them so they can, you know, lift up their community. Right. But I just, she just went in. The woman, I said, did the woman respond? She said she blocked me. I was like, I'm not surprised because she doesn't want to be called out for it. Meantime, you know, everyone that's in the picture wearing these dresses, um, they're all blonde hair and blue eyes. And she's like, it just makes me so angry. I was like, girl, you will be fighting every single day mm-hmm. if you scroll through Instagram and look at the appropriation that people are taking with our cultures and just spewing it because they're, mm-hmm. they're looking at, hey, I can make money on this. You know, I can really get some money on it. So, right. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's true. It's like, that's happening a lot in fashion, right? We see that all the time where you are getting a lot of um, inspired designs from, mm-hmm. you know, really high, you know, highly famous designers. Um, you know, kind of bring it back to our industry though, do you think, you know, brands, you know, or products that we do all look at, do you think they do a good job attributing proper credit no. or acknowledging cultures? No, not at all. I would say there's a lot of work to do. Oh (laughs) my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot of work to do. Um, Again, the fine line, right. Between appreciation and celebration. And then also um, educating and offering, you know, credit where credit is due. And also of course, who's making it, you know, are the people getting fairly um, acknowledged and fairly paid Um, There's so many questions. And I think one of the main things that keeps coming to my mind is like, it's kind of dangerous to follow trends blindly, Mm -hmm. right? Because you just have to be yourself. You can be true to yourself and really investigate everything that you are subscribing to. Because you may not know that, um, you know, a company that you are really into just because it has beautiful designs may not have the most, um, you know, fair labor practices or, you know, um, the most equitable or fair workplace representing, you know, diversity in, in in their employees. I don't know. I mean, I think we just all have to be careful where we put our money, right? Because you're voting with your dollar and it's like, hey, um, do I want to be buying this even though it's a great price? Um, from this company, right? And I think we've all learned that, right? Mistake. I mean, I've definitely bought things before where then it comes out that this company is terrible, you know, against women or like, I don't know. It's, um, I think doing your own research, right? Is so powerful. Absolutely. There's this um, 
documentary called The Cost of Things, and it's on mm-hmm. Netflix, if it's still there. If you watch that, it will change the way you shop. Like you will be like, I'm mm-hmm. not buying any more clothes because then it also connects to like all these major places that we do shop mm-hmm. at. And you realize yeah. how, like you said, we don't know how, um, if, if what we're doing is green and how it is affecting other countries or other places. And then you go back and they show you how it is severely affecting, affecting these people mm-hmm. with their water supply, how they, exactly. they can't drink it. The kids are malnourished. Like they're born with deformities and you're like, well, I'm contributing to this. Right. Right. And it's, you know, we have to be mindful about that. Right. I mean, I have a friend who recently educated me about um, how there's plants that burn um, toxic trash in certain communities of color that they just, that's what's done. There's plants that burn trash. And I was like, okay, so like my aversion to using disposable plastic is actually helping the world, not just in one way, but also more ways than meets the eye, right? So- Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as far as furniture goes, like buying antique and vintage um, and pre-owned is like a great thing. And also with fashion, you know, so um, companies like, you know, because I just recently um, bought a home in Dallas. I moved to Dallas from Los Angeles. And when I was furnishing my home, it just kind of happened by accident. But I, I, you know, because with COVID, there's a lot of delays in manufacturing So I ended up sourcing most of the furniture from um, First Dibs, Cherish, um, from local um, vintage shops. And um, that like made me feel so good uh, because I knew that I was making a very minimal impact, I guess, Mm -hmm. on the planet just buying pre-owned or antique. Um, So yeah, I guess that the impact on our planet is a good, is, is like a good where place to start, I guess. Yes. No, I think, no, I think that's super important if we can try to, you know, also, you know, bring it locally as well. Right. Like that's super important and supporting local artisans and Mm -hmm. uh, different manufacturing. Um, So, you know, it's, it seems like this could be a a big conversation. It could be a, you know, multi-part conversation. Um, so how do, how do you guys think we can approach brands to talk about this type of subjects? Like, because it is, it's very like, I don't want to say controversial because that's such a big word, but you know, people have such resistance in changing their ways and also looking at things in a different light. And, but at the same time, you know, like Sharon is saying, like you are, like for me, I'm starting to research the companies that I source from or, you know, or even more so than before, right? So because we are the designers procuring all these different products, I feel like we do have a voice to uh, bring this up to to brands, uh, acknowledging uh, how cultural references are being used in their product and how to, what are they going to do about that? Cause I feel like, I mean, just for me, I feel like it's more education and awareness that's going to 
keep everybody in the loop and more informed as to what we are using. And, and it, I think it benefits everybody, right? So uh, how, do, how do you guys think, you know, we could do that as an, as an industry? One of the um, things I, I, I see happening uh, that I'm starting to become aware about is as we are becoming more vocal as people of color, and I see that a lot of brands are jumping on the bandwagon to sign, kind of sort of post as an ally, kind of sort of have like a a, a presence in, a, in in our community. Uh, what I'm so what I so the uh, bad Gil, I seen him do a recent. Uh, collaboration, I believe, uh, textile launch with uh, St. France. Uh, when I looked at the whole planning process, the, the education behind it, the, the diversity team, I thought that that was a win-win all around uh, for one, the company, as well as the, the uh, designers itself. Um, they did a lot of education, a lot of training. Uh, the, the presentation was well on. And I feel like if other companies kind of sort of take that same investment, that same approach, uh, then there can be room for growth and all opportunities. Because right now, I feel like they're catering to that one specific market. Mm. And, and our culture just becomes a, a trend, hit, hit or miss. It, it just becomes a, painting, a, a, a fade, where so this can be something that can be long lasting, could be ongoing. It could be something that can be uh, definitely sustainable uh, down the line. No, that's, that's true. Okay. Gail, what's your thought on that? So the word ally just is like nails on a chalkboard. Okay. You didn't even have to say anything, Gail. I saw your face. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I've been saying to people lately, and if you follow me on Instagram, um, I am very vocal. I don't hold any punches. I tell people exactly how I'm feeling. And, you know, um, ally, like, you know, like last year, everybody wanted to like, oh, let's get together. Let's do this. Oh, this is great. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now they're all getting ally fatigue where they're just not returning, you know, the calls or the text messages or the DMs or the emails. And it's what was convenient for them. You're asking, how can we change a culture? It's that people have got to want to change. We can have conversations all day long, mm -hmm. but if people are not really willing to really move the needle on that, and they are people that are in positions of power and of you know changing the tide, then we're just gonna be swimming against the stream all the time. I mean, there have been conversations, you know, off record with some of my white counterparts who are just, you know, they're honest with me with, they're like, well, you know, this is great. Yes, we're, you know, this, it's, it's great. You know, these, that black designers are being acknowledged, but are they really good design? Are they really great design? And I was like, so does it mean that they're, you have, yes, girl. Does it mean that they have to be white <laughs> to be good designers, great designers? I was like, how about we look at, how about we just take the color away altogether Let's look at what is great design mm -hmm. 
And then let's, you know, pull back and be like, oh, who's behind that? Oh, well, look at here, you know, and see who they are. Because there are so many that are one hit wonders that, of course, I could paint a white room and have white drapery and white curtains and, you know, um, white furniture and then add in a splash of color and be like, ooh, you know, or I can really think about the space and make it, make it a home. Um, but we, we celebrate mediocrity. And if we really want to talk about it, like people of color have to be five times to 10 times better than their white counterpart in order for them to get their foot in the room, you know? And then once we're in the room, it's, we have to sit here. And I just had this conversation because a friend of mine went through something today with a major shelter magazine where they, they just were so shady to her. And, you know, excuse me, we have to justify why we are in the room and we have to show you our work. We have to be vetted again after we were vetted on the outside now that we're in. And then it's like, okay, well, now that you're in the room here, you can sit at the table. And then when you're at the table, it's like, you know, I was at an event last year, COVID, and it was outside and it was for the designers to come in and, you know, look at each vendor with their fabrics and their wares and I was speaking to one of the vendors who was of color and we were having a conversation. I was just about to leave and her white client walks up and we're having a conversation and the woman walks up and she just starts talking like I'm not there. So automatically the, the vendor knows like I am, I'm like already at level 10 with the racism. She said, oh, did I introduce you to Gail? And the woman looks me up and down. She goes, I, I came over here because I want to know what do you do? And we're like, what? And she's like, well, what do you do? And so I wouldn't respond. I'm just looking at the woman like this. And my friend goes, oh, she's an interior designer. She goes, oh, oh. she's like, she's an interior designer, of course. And she goes, oh, well, I mean, okay. But I mean, like, is she an artist? Like, look at how she looks. And I just didn't even say anything. And I just said to the vendor, it was great seeing you have a great evening. Thank you. And whatever samples, you know, please send my samples off to my office. And I just walked away because it's like, why do we have to do this song and dance? Why do I have to be an exotic bird for mm -hmm. you to want to know me? Why do I have to um, justify? How about if I'm in the room, I deserve to be there. I belong there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm like very much always in people's faces and like showing them who they are mm -hmm. and just telling them like I once again you go to my Instagram feed I will post books that I'm re reading and one of them and I <laughs> sent it to all my white friends and even white editors I was like listen you need to read this book it's called white tears brown scars mm -hmm. um how white feminism hurts women of color you know and they're like what I was like you need to read it and do not reach out to me until after you have read it because it's always like well what can I do what can I do better and I was like how about read and find out on your own as opposed to asking me to help you with your racism to change it because it's not I I didn't create it right that's not your responsibility yeah so that's well, I think best. that's what's hard because we it's all about wanting to be educated right like we all you know, we all have to engage in wanting to know more about whatever it is, more about other designers, more about, you know, how we approach design. 
I think, again, it's being engaged, right? And that's why it's so great that we're having this conversation because, you know, no, we're not going to solve the issue today. But I think um, if we can keep talking about it and that we can uh, figure out some, I don't know, I don't want to say goals, but I, I, for, for me personally, I feel like I really am vested in educating other younger designers because they always come up to me or, or I'll get DMs like what you're saying, Gail, of, you know, a young Filipino designer who's never met me, but will reach out to me because they don't know any other Filipino designers, right? right. So, so I think, again, it's like, for me, it's us all educating each other and educating all the younger designers or aspiring designers too, right? Because a lot of them don't know how the industry works and um, again, lack of exposure or uh, lack of connections or whatever it is, I feel like I have a responsibility um, as a designer in this industry to give as much information or helpful information as I can, right? Um, so I feel like, you know, with, again, going back to these big brands or these other companies, like, I think that's a great example, Katie, of that textile company that you mentioned. Um, but again, it can't be a fleeting thing. I think it needs to be a consistent conversation and um, we just need to have more of it. The word that comes to mind for me is commitment. You need to yeah. be, you need to be committed to always taking up your space in right. the room and you need to be <clears throat> committed with, you know, everyone's like, oh, the other word that makes me whatever is brand. Oh, my brand, my brand, my brand. Yeah, I'm yeah. Saying, you know, you need to be committed to making sure that your voice is heard and that people know that when, <laughs> when they get near you, they're like, oh, I already know it. I know she's not going to let me live this down because that's <laughs> what I get. You know, okay. I get a, uh, well, I know I can't be the way around you because you're going to call me out. And it's not about calling me out. It's about if you said you were going to do it, then I, this is what I'm anticipating from you. This is what mm -hmm. I am expecting from you. And I am expecting you to be a better human. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm expecting you to be a better uh, uh, person and be committed to making this not just work for you, but for everybody that comes around you. Because right. honestly, there's enough for all of us to win right? There's enough for all of us to get ahead. There's enough for all of us to excel and have a thriving business. Even with the four of us here, there's way, ways for us to network with each other and to help mm -hmm. each other out and to make each, and to allow each other to thrive mm -hmm. without feeling like I have to shrink myself so you can shine. We Ooh. can all shine. Yeah, that. for sure. No. <laughs> no, that's how I feel. Like I'm just, I'm always baffled. Like you can be jealous of a person for a second, but then you need to turn that light on you and be like, I can learn, I can do better. And then you need to make that an aspiration for you to get to that next level right. instead of like, why is it happening to them? It's like, why isn't it happening to me? You know, I there's another saying that I love that really makes me crazy. Um, everybody always wants to be like, you know, well, be if Beyonce can do it. Now let's be 100% real. Are you going to be as dedicated as Beyonce? You may have the same hours, but let's look. 
Do you have a driver? Do you have a chef? Do you have nannies? Is Jay-Z your husband? Like, you know, you have, she has all of this so she can succeed. She also succeeded because she had such a voracious drive Mm -hmm. to want to get to the next level. And that's just how I see it with me for my design. Now that this door was slightly open for me, I am like kicking in the windows, I'm kicking the door down and I'm like, I'm gonna make this work for me. So when people have ally fatigue, I'm gonna let them know that they have the fatigue and I'm gonna tell them the rest for a second. Now you gotta get up and this is what I need from you. Mm -hmm. Because we have to hold each other accountable. And I feel like there's no way for our ancestors, and I say that across the board for all four of us, Mm -hmm. it would be such a disservice and so dishonorable that now that our voices are being heard, and especially, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter or Stop Asian Hate, it is up to us to do what our ancestors could not do. It is up to us to now push that needle forward and to help, you know, Gen Z, Gen X, or whoever the gens are, and make sure that we are their backbone to make this happen, so. I agree, no, that's true. Super inspiring. I love that so much. I feel the same way. Um, You know, every day I do something um, to uh, for my like anti-racism activism. And I'm like really super proud of myself because before I think I was mentioning that I had some fear. I had some, you know, self-doubt. And now I feel like um, finally, you know, the room is ready to receive me speaking my truth, you know, and um, saying how, saying what I feel, saying, you know, talking about, you know, the things that I find to be wonderful and also the things that I find to be inappropriate at times, you know. Um, I just think that we do need commitment though from everyone um, in order to make a change in the design community. Um, It can't just be people of color who are crusading for, you know, the change because that's just, it's, first of all, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I do um, experience some exhaustion sometimes just because, you know, this is not something that we get to decide as a person of color that we're now going to not think about um, right. racism. No, 100. You don't. <laughs> you know, this, is, this is our life. This is something that we've, um, we you know, dealt we with, yeah. unfortunately, our entire lives um, because, you know, that's just, the world we live in, unfortunately. And like, I just think that if we, you know, I'm just urging everyone in the design community to think about that and think, okay, so if people of color are feeling this way, we really need to come together to support each other. Like, even you know, even if you're not a person of color, like that's the most important thing. It's like, you've got a platform to be able to make a change, right? Um, positive change. And I think like, um, it's a lifelong commitment. And when everyone takes on takes it on as their own personal lifelong commitment, like that's when things are going to change for the good. So, you know, like I I'm really excited. I'm starting. Um, Adel is Adel and I. <laughs> she's my first um, person I've asked, but I I I'm starting this AAPI um, design coalition because you know I think that. Um, with our voices combined, we're going to be heard loud and clear if there's anything, first of all, if we just want to like celebrate, you know, 
like Asian design excellence um, in modern day times, or if we want to look back and say, hey, there's something we want to, like Gail, you're saying, like, there's something we want to call out. There's something we want to call attention to, um, you know, um, and in, in a friendly way. Like, I think that um, the best conversations I've had where even with friends, um, with regard to, um, you know, like the anti-racism work we're, that I'm doing, I just feel like the best conversations come from a point of just, hey, we're friends. Like, I, I just want to talk to you about this. You know what I mean? Um, not ever a confrontation because I think in order to turn this around, um, we all have to be amenable to um, uncomfortable conversations with each other, you know, um, and to just be open and, you know, yeah, I, I just feel like that's how I plan to go around it, right? I'm just going to celebrate, you know, everyone's cultural heritage, but also like have the hard conversations um, and, you know, engage people in a super um, non-threatening, um, super friendly way. If there's anything that I ever, you know, feel I need to share um, recently there's a luxury that that is right there a luxury for you to say to to do it in like in a super friendly way because I'm already seen as aggressive as a black woman it just it, you know I don't have that luxury so when I do call people out like you know a friend my husband's friend put up um a meme of a black man laughing with a white man and they and the meme said now they want to say um, Dr. Seuss is racist. And so I was, wow. I, I DM'd him and I was like, Hey, so do you know the history behind it before you start posting things like this? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, did you grow up this way? I said, he said, um, I'm sure you read Dr. Seuss books growing up. And I said, well, here's the deal. My parents made sure just like your parents that the right things came into the house. I said, because they already had to shield me as a little black girl from all the racism that I was going to encounter. I said, so that's the luxury that you have with your privilege. So see, that probably doesn't come across sweet, <laughs> you know, but I do say to people, you know, and I have said to my white friends, um, wow, it must be nice to live in that privilege. And they're like, what? And they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I said, no, I just want you to see how this benefits you. And then they're like, I never thought of it like that. Or they're like, you know, I'm just, they have said, I'm so tired of talking about this. I was like, wow, if you're so tired of talking about it, imagine I'm tired of living it. Mm -hmm. If you're exhausted, imagine how I feel. Right. You know, and, so and it's, it's, it's a luxury that you are able to be non-confrontational or just like sweet about it and be like, hey, I don't have that luxury. Yeah, and I think it's, it's true. I mean, I think like we're all coming from different points of view and that's, this is exactly what we need. You know, we do need um, the truth, right? It's really about your truth, like what's, what's happened to you, Gail, and what happens to Sharon and to Katie and to me. I think those are all the, I think those are all the stories that people need to hear, honestly, sure. because even, as much as, discomfort or uncomfortable people are going to react to it I feel like the more you have it the more you're normalizing it right yeah, and absolutely. not in a sense of like good or bad that it's normal that you're right. having those experiences but I think the more that people are aware that these 
things happen to us, right? As a designer, we have all, we all have our own stories of navigating this world, right? But at the same time, I always, I want to hear those stories, you know, because it's going to not only uh, educate me or make me aware of maybe my own prejudices or whatever I've reacted to another human, but I think having those conversations will just open everything up, open everybody's eyes that this is, this is life. This is how we, this is what's happening. And we almost need to like knock on people's doors and tell people that these are happening. Right. Cause I think the stories matter. I think that's, I think that's always, you know, your story matters because that's what makes you a great unique designer, right? Your culture, your background, all of that, we're all different because of who we are, right? And I don't think it has, I don't know, I think, uh, you know, I know Gail, you're mentioning that you wanna, you wanna be acknowledged for your excellence, right? For your design work, which is 100% true, but I also kind of wanna see people for me, like, you know, I am the person that created that, me being my, my, the culture that I grew up in influences me on how I see color or how I, you know, all those things. So I think um, just having more of those conversations is one step that we can take, you know, and, you know, like all the different platforms that you guys are all on. I know Gail, you have a great podcast. I've listened to a couple of them and I love them because they, they're all different types of people on there. Right. So they're all different types of designers, uh, pro- you know, product or diff- really strong women, which I love to, you know, so I think those are the kinds of stories that um, we need to keep doing. And maybe there's a way that, you know, we talk to brands about that, you know, because that is, a, you know, when we're looking at product and when we're looking at textiles, I, I think about, you know, oh, that reminds me of, you know, a fabric from Indonesia or something, right? Or, you know, just recognizing it. And I think that's part of education, right? And I think that's part of what we're trying to do is like, we wanna have um, this awareness and, you know, uh, education about where things are coming from. Oh, and Sharon. It's amazing what you're saying. Don't think I was coming after you. <laughs> no, I'm actually glad that you said that because it's true. You know what I mean? It's true yeah. what you said. And I think that, you know, I think that just to show everybody that, you know, racism affects different people in such different ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, we're, it's, it's really um, crazy. I love that we have this conversation though, because we have to, you know, if we don't have these uncomfortable conversations, we're never going to get better, you know? Yeah. Um, we're never going to get to that, you know, place of, hey, like, we are like a diverse um, community and we all belong here. We all celebrate each other and support each other equally. And it's like, okay, tell me what you need, right? Like, how can I help you? Tell Mm -hmm. me how you experience um, Mm -hmm. racism in your life. Okay, now you tell me how you experience racism. You know, it's like, we all need to like, understand each other um, better. And I, I think that the only way we can do that is if we um, have conversations 
inclusive conversations um, and come to the table like that. So that was really powerful. I really am glad, you know, that we did this and this is just the beginning, you know, Um, I think so many more conversations like this need to be had. Um, I don't know if this is, if we're Josh, I know you're hopping on. Are we out of time? Yeah, I think we're we're good. No, please. No, I just, like I was going to say, um, you know, I'm again, really thankful for you three for, you know, having this conversation with me and, and Josh in the background, because it's, again, it's a super important uh, topic. And I think we're going to continue having more of these, you know, and um, hopefully we can have some conversations where we're all collectively taking a step on how to um, engage, you know, people in our community about about topics like this. So, so I'm, I'm really thankful for you guys. Thank you. Um, so Josh, thank you for, ha- for letting me moderate. <laughs> well, and, and thank you for doing this and thank you all for participating. You know, it's, it's interesting too, because for me, it is, you talk about luxuries. It's a luxury for me to sit back and, and do nothing but listen, you know, not, not think about what's the next thing I'm gonna say or how am I gonna dovetail on their next comment or, or boy, I would love to tell this story about whatever, but just to sit there and take it all in and listen. And that is the hardest thing in the world to do. It really is, is to listen. The other thing that's hard to do is to have a conversation about topics in which you are not comfortable. And this is one of those topics that I don't care who you are, whatever your race, religion, color, sexual orientation, uh, gender orientation, whatever it happens to be, there are always people who are not gonna like you for who you are. There are always people who are gonna tell you that they don't like you for who you are. And even more insidious is there the people who are never gonna tell you. I would rather my racists and bigots be like, wear the sign, you know, where have the big tattoo, the Aryan nations folks, at least let me see it. Let me know who you are. I would rather have that. Right. But there's always that fear that in trying to have a conversation, you're going to step in it. You're going to say something stupid and to have a group of individuals like you who come from, we know what we think, you have strong opinions and you can you can still have that conversation in a cordial manner and still communicate those ideas. I, I feel like that's what's missing from the general conversation. Mm-hmm. So for this, I am so thankful for all of you uh, taking the time to do this. And, and Sharon, you're you're absolutely right. This is this is only the beginning of conversations like this and to get everybody into the room, right? To have all of the stakeholders who have something to say. And, you know, listen, like you all and Gail, especially you, you know how I feel about you, um, to to have that, that fearless willingness to say, listen, don't talk to me about Beyonce. Don't talk to me about brands or don't tell me you're my ally, you know? <laughs> and I think, I think, you know, the, the thing that really the point that I, that I got from this is don't tell me, show me, mm-hmm. right? That's 100% for me because you can tell me all day long, your actions speak louder than your words. Mm-hmm. And that just, 
I just want to see who you are. And when you said one more thing, when you talked about racism, you wish that people would wear it on their sleeves so you can see. Um, that's the difference between the North and the South, right? But what's funny is like the North is becoming more like the South. So you get to know who the racists are. Mm -hmm. And you also, people who think that they are not, I show them how they perpetuate and how they uphold white supremacy. So. And, and to your point, and I will wrap it with this. Um, you're right. Friendliness is a luxury. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, humanity is not disposable. And we, we, you know, there's, if we want to be successful, those who are creative, smart, and want to move forward, find ways to do so. And with that, I am so incredibly thankful uh, to the four of you for taking the time to do this. So my gratitude. Thank you very much. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your partnership. And thank you for listening. Without you, there is no joy in doing this. You are appreciated. My hope is to bring you inspiration and sublime design through these conversations to give you that extra push to be the most creative designer you can be. Please make sure you are subscribing to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can follow us. Uh, you can follow along on Instagram at Convo by Design with an X and ConvoByDesign.com. Be well, and remember to take today first. Mm -hmm.